Hello, my name is Alan Swan and welcome to The Outer View, a show all about the art of media interviewing on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Uh, excuse me, I have a bit of a cold on me. Um, so I do sound a little bit snuffly on in the intro. I sound a little bit different to how I sound when I interview this week's guest, uh, who is Marty Whelan, who is an Irish radio and television personality who currently works for Radio Telefisheren, otherwise known as RT. He actually works for RT Lyric FM, which is a classical uh, music station uh, on the RT network, and he presents The Breakfast Show uh, Monday to Friday from 7am on uh, RTE Lyric. Um, Marty is very well known in Irish broadcasting circles and uh, everyone in Ireland knows who Marty Whelan is he's done various different TV shows over the years from Winning Streak um, to Open House to Celebrity Bonastor um, and of course his, his radio work throughout the years um, on various different stations what's fantastic about Marty Whelan is he's so personable um, firstly he's a lovely lovely guy I, I must admit I've worked with Marty in the past so I know him well um, and I always found him a joy to work with I, I worked on a, a TV show called Open House and I worked there when Marty was there and I always found him to be such a lovely um, guy so um, great at sharing his knowledge really really great fella and I thought it would be interesting to talk to Marty because he's got such a personable way about him he can go from interviewing a, a 99 year old um, grandmother um, to interviewing Michael Bublé and his range is quite superb and he's just got that something about him in his interview technique and interview style and he gives away some nuggets in this interview and uh, one or two things that really I never really thought of before uh, including your appearance when it comes to an interview and about your appearance and getting into the right mindset when you're doing a radio show um, or when you're about to do an interview so um, let's get straight into it. Our guest this week on The Outer View is Marty Whelan. Uh, Marty. Yes, sir. Uh, do you remember your first interview, when you ever you interviewed an, an actor, an artist? Or a... I remember being interviewed in here. That was scary. I was looking for a job. Um, do I remember my first interview that I, that I, that I, that I ever um, took on? I remember, I think one of my first television interviews was with Leo Sayre for television which was funny because it was outside it wasn't inside it wasn't in the studio it wasn't in a in, in a, it was very interesting uh, and it was with uh, Ian McGarry the producer on television we, um, we were walking around we were in Cork because Leo Sayre was going to do a, um, a gig in, in uh, Parky Cueve and we were walking around with Leo Sayre so it was very odd to be firstly to be Outside doing it, and secondly to be um, doing it, doing it uh, in a kind of a moving thing, sitting on little walls and stuff was bananas. Um, and the other one, the other main one, I think I remember mainly from telly was Paul Young in one of these rooms or one of these studios. The the, the singer Paul Young uh, coming in, and we had the television camera set up, and away we did it um, around here. Radio, radio. I, I actually don't remember the first radio interview I did because back in the in the in the early days of, of Radio 2, 2 FM, it was very different because you had people coming in all the time. Like, it's not, it's, you know, people don't seem to come in as often as they used to, it seems to mm. me, and, or regularly as they used to. Uh, but in those days, people seem to come and go all the time. But I can't remember the first one, no, I can't. And do you think that the art That could of be interview- drinks now, you'd have to allow for that. <laughs> and do you think the art of interviewing has suffered because of that, that, that it, it's not as free or as open, that it's more kind of controlled by PR, more communications? As I think it can be controlled, and you're told, and in some cases you're not told, but in some cases it's suggested not to mention the issue, and not to mention the such and such, so that therefore there are 
there can be not uh, there can be restrictions put on people uh, who who are doing the interviewing. I to me uh, I, I I don't know necessarily if that's that's the case. I think because there's so much known about people now because of Twitter and everything else, the information a lot of the information is out there anyway. Mm. So you're really searching to try and find other angles to go with, particularly in the entertainment area, which is uh, what, what 2FM would, would essentially be. And what would be your process now if you, if you knew you were going to interview X? Is there a Z? process? Is there a process? Dad, I never knew. I, I always had... A, the first thing I do is I will always research the person and find out what I need to know about them. Hmm. I don't write down questions. Now, that probably seems insane to you. And I know that there are colleagues here and on all the stations... And, and there are researchers and there are people handing them questions. I know that happens and that's fine for them. Uh, I, I don't do that. I get it all into my head, get a sense of who they are, an idea of where I want to go, uh, particularly if it's music driven. So therefore we have the music on standby so we know where we're going to go musically and let the music drive me. But really, I let the conversation drive me. Always did. I always think if you are in a position, it's different if it's a, it's a very serious political interview or if it's to do with somebody who has a, a particular story to tell or has something that they have to tell. In other words, like a charity comes in and they need to touch on A, B, C and D. Mm. So you make sure you touch on those things. Yeah. But if it's not that and it's, an, and it's an interview, then it should be a conversation. Yeah. And I like it to be a conversation and therefore I don't structure it. I structure it in my head. I'm not stupid. But I don't write down questions and it's amazing when you don't write down questions how at ease sometimes you'll find the guest suddenly is quite often they're more so and that's because you're not looking down at an A4 pad. you're looking at them like yeah. you and I are looking yeah. at each other you're having a conversation and, he, and the guest can take it wherever they want to go and I'll go with them try and bring them back to what I need but let them let them dictate because it's their story do you have any kind of favourite kind of, uh, you know, when you're sitting down to prepare for the interview? I know you're talking about it's a conversation, but if you're, say, if you're going to interview a musician or you're going to interview a, a film star or an author, is there a genre of person that you love to sit down? Do you think there's anyone that, that, that are better raconteurs than, than, than others? Well I, well, I love songwriters. Because, and the reason I love songwriters is because of my history and, and the sort of people that I've always loved, the Springsteens, the Bowies, uh, the, 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 the Van Morrisons. I always love a songwriter because the songwriter has already brought the story to the table. So there's always, for me, the chance of another story by way of a conversation yeah. because it's what they do. They're like troubadours, James Taylor. These are people who have stories to tell and all their songs have some story. They didn't just make it up and just throw it out. Most of, if not all of them, have stories to tell around the songs so that when you have a songwriter in front of you, you know, you can you can you suddenly get a real sense of who they are or what they are or what they've got to tell you, and it can be right. You know, it can be Paolo Nutini if you can understand him, um, but I uh, who I adore. But again, he's a hard he's a hard man. To, that Paisley accent is a tough one, but his his songwriting is brilliant. So if you get the songwriter for me is is probably the best, and after that it's 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 whatever comes our way because again, uh, an author is always going to be a good guest because yeah. they want to tell you their story. They're chomping at the bit to give to tell you their story um actors different because actors have they act that's what they do so quite often they don't have much to say they, well quite often they don't and quite often their story is it's somebody else's story it's someone else's narrative and they're just giving you what that story is you know in the film i play the boxer oh, brilliant but tell us about yourself and sometimes there isn't an awful lot to tell i mean one of the one of the worst uh, guests it seems to me anytime i've seen him on tv which is a great shame because he's brilliant is robert de niro as a guest as a as a, as a guest and not that we've had an opportunity but as a guest he seems 
He always seems well, like he wants to be somewhere else. He does, yeah. And he doesn't seem to have an awful lot to say. Yeah. Uh, which is staggering considering the roles he's played and the type of actor he is, which is a very wordy actor in the old style of acting. He's full of dialogue. Yeah, I wonder is that, that, that you know, again, going back to the research of, of the person that you're interviewing, say Robert De Niro, is it the case that, you know, the presenter hasn't really got something that, that, that fires up De Niro, that... That's of interest to him. That could be. That could be it. But I, I've I've never seen him interested um, in a, in a, in, a, in an interviewer. Really, I've seen him kind of glide along, and the interviewer seems to do almost all the work, and there's very little comes back. He's probably not unique, because some people could turn it on. I mean, we have people in and out. Uh, you and I would know who would come in and turn it on, and then walk out the door, and there wouldn't be a word out of them. Yeah. And that's fine too. But if you're going to come in to sell whatever you're selling then let the microphone open and let's, let's have a conversation. Let's go for it. I can't understand people who don't seem... Maybe he's just uncomfortable without yeah. a script. Maybe that's all it is. And some people need a script. Um, one of our past guests on the show... <laughs> one of our past guests on the show is a BBC producer called Laura Parfit. And she made a very good point about mm. that it's not just the interview itself. It's everything from the moment that you've spoken to them before the interview, how you look, the clothes you wear... Uh, elicits an awful lot of stuff so, so for instance if I turn up for an interview and I'm wearing a football jersey and a pair of runners the person yes. instantly is going to go well this person doesn't really have much respect for what I'm doing they just sure. turned up you're always dressed very smartly you're always well turned out always dressed for radio yeah. um, the only idiot <laughs> in town who does it I don't know why I do it which is a bit of background we're actually in a studio at the moment uh, where Marty's just finished your lyric um, yes. programme it's the morning of the death of the eagle. Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry. Yeah, the great um, Glenn Fry. And I would imagine when I've worked on breakfast shows that I would be wearing what I'm wearing now is a pair of jeans. Sure. Uh, a nice top now. It's it's it's, it's no, you'll be the nice. judge of that. I think I think in, in terms of what do you want? But you're well dressed, but you're well but yeah, what I'm saying is for a breakfast show you are you are turned out as if this is a television programme. I I always dressed for radio and I uh, and I, it goes right back to my beginnings. Always did. It just and and the reason I do it is and it just, it's not always a shirt and tie, mm. but it's but it I, I you know, I can wear politics, I wear whatever. Uh, and I wear jeans and I wear leather jackets and I wear whatever that we all wear. But I always dressed for radio. I think it's because it makes me feel better. I come in and I think she made a good point. I come in, I feel better, I feel on top of what I'm doing if I feel good in myself. So I come in ready for the day, yeah. ready for the office, if you will. And I just feel better when I do that. And if I come in and I haven't shaved and I'm slouchy and I'm all kind of slightly slightly steaming from a lack of a lack of uh, soap, then I, I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't be up to much. I just wouldn't be me. Yeah. So I feel better doing it my way. And I think that's as it should be. Because the mental aspect of this business... It's program is mentally, you're right. Yeah, that's true. Mental. The, the, the mental aspect of, 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 um, of what you do is very, very important because, mm. you know, to prepare for having these conversations with people... Well, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. And 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 on lyric, it's quite interesting because I can I can get an interview uh, when I'm fortunate enough when the likes of Michael Bublé comes in and we get Michael Bublé. But then I would have um, Dr. Veronica Dunn, who I had in yesterday, who's 87 years of age and a very respected uh, opera uh, singer, which uh, is retired now, which is a very respected teacher. Veronica Dunn is hugely respected in our industry. So I've got to be able to deal with Veronica Dunn at 87 and Michael Bublé at what is he, 40 now, I think. Um, yeah, so I've got to be able to deal with both of them. And then sometimes uh, you'll get somebody who's far younger who'll come in because we interview people from Borgosh and the show's coming in and out or whatever, uh, Mary Poppins. And so, I've, so I've got to have myself organised and my, my, my head in gear. And it doesn't matter what age they are or what their background is, 
the job of the interviewer is to get the best you can out of whoever they are mm. and to get their story. Sometimes they'll give it to you easily and sometimes it doesn't come easy and you have to push and push and push to get it out. But it's important that you are in charge of your gig at your end so that at least you can make the best effort to get the best out of them because they, they won't guarantee it. In saying that, who gets it right for you? Who, in interview-wise, gets it right as, as the perfect interviewer? Well, I mean, you see, you're always going to go back to leg ends, aren't you? You're always going to go back to Gay or Michael Parkinson. You have to, because of the way that they structured an interview. Um, they, they both clearly always knew where they wanted to go, except in Parkinson's case with uh, Meg Ryan, if you remember that, if you've ever seen it, <laughs> classic. Uh, but he always, and, he, and he made all, the, he made all the, the fatal flaws on television. He folded his arms, which you should never do in an interview, let alone television, and he did it all the time. But it seemed to disarm people, if you, know, if you follow that, because he just seemed to break a few rules and it seemed to work. Uh, but it's the interviewer that is, is listening. If you, if you listen to what the person says, then you don't need the 10 questions written down. As long as you listen to what they're saying and, and you know where you want to go. I mean, you can write down four, five words on a piece of card that you need to remember because you want the interview to go a certain way. That's mm. fine. But outside of that, as long as it's a conversation, then I think, it's, I think that's where it's going. And, you know, I would, I, would look, I would look to Ryan and how he interviews in The Late Late Show. Now, it's very structured, but he's very good at getting what he wants because he's still... What, what, what he isn't... What I like about what he does is he isn't deflected. You see, when, when, when a lot of us would have done interviews over the years and you look back you go oh, I was kind of deflected there and I went off somewhere else but I needed to get back or whatever he always he, brings it back on track he, he always gets back onto where he needs to be which is a very good trait and I think he's very good at that particularly on the basis that it's a live programme I'm talking about television of course but it's a live programme mm. you know you, you, you see you start talking about uh, Graham Norton's show which is brilliant and it's recorded to within an inch of its life, as is Jonathan Ross, recorded to within an inch of its life. Like, live chat shows are almost unheard of, and we've two of them. So, you know, it's, it's quite something when you think about it. And it's something that should be sold a bit more, I think. Uh, well, I think I, so I don't too. think people are that aware that it's no, that live. No, and yet in, in, in the BBC and in ITV and in, in, in the States with NBC, The Late Show, no one cares that it's, that it's not live. It doesn't matter. And yet we do it, take the biggest risk there is, because people can say anything, and yet it's just kind of taken for granted. I find that quite, uh, quite, quite, uh, quite sad. I think you're right. I think it should be heralded, the fact that it's live. And if it doesn't have to be live, well, then you know what? Let it not be yeah. live. And you, and, you can, and you probably get far more uh, bigger names, certainly, in terms of guests. Because but a more be able sanitised product. Uh, but a more sanitised product. It'd yeah. be much more cut to bits and whatever, whatever. I, love, I think the live thing makes it feel... Yeah, let's see what happens here. Uh, be it Ray or be it be it be it, uh, be it Ryan, whatever. So, to get the best to, to 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 try and find people who are the great interviewers, it's you know that you go to the legends, but you must then look to another generation. And Ryan is clearly in there, and 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 why not? So it has to be about getting the best out of your guest, because quite often it's become about the presenter. When it goes off a reservoir, when it goes off on a tangent, have you got a, or, or a question hasn't worked for you or, or the interviewee is just giving you kind of the death stare and it's not happening. Yeah. Or have you got any cul-de-sac questions that have, that have saved well, you in the past? cul-de-sac questions. It's just a kind of a damp patch underneath my chair where I start to panic. <laughs> um, I, I, the problem with people who, who do that to you is if it's not live, you can lose them. Mm. It's the great thing about it not being live. And that's the trick. The, the stuff we never see that happens on chat shows all over the world where someone is basically crap and you lose them. 
Uh, whereas in a live setting, you can't lose them. Or someone comes on drunk. I mean, all the classic Terry Wogan uh, shows and uh, George Best or, or Oliver Reed. And these are the ones you remember where he had to deal with somebody who was clearly not well. Yeah. That's not easily done. Do you know? Or Spike Milligan, who was always a very difficult guest uh, and could be brilliant and could be hard work. And I had him in both ways. But uh, so it, 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 to have the, the killer question is going to bring them back. No. And I'll tell you why. Because you're looking into somebody's eyes and you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And you know, at the back of it all, they're, 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 they may not come back. You, you, the one thing you will always cling to is things they like. So if you find out stuff that they're interested in, even if they're, they're, they're not playing ball with you, if you can grab on that... It might bring them back. It might bring them... But that's the only chance you have because then there's a chance that they'll come... Because now they're interested because you're talking about something they like. But if, if, if they don't come back, it's the joy of saying, well, it's been lovely. Final couple of questions. You have entertained us long enough. Final couple of questions. Um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? And it doesn't necessarily have to be... Leave and don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> the best advice ever... Well, I, well come on. No, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be about the business that we work in. Um, because I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are either media, media students mm. or producers or writers or so on. It could be anything. Like, is there anything, any wisdom that you well, would impart? Well, well, I mean, the thing about it is, and I, and I wrote about it in my book, which is still keenly priced. Uh, what's and, the name of your uh, book, Marty? Well, that's life, funnily oh, enough. Available on Amazon and uh, indeed, indeed. Even bookstores with books in them. It's Fantastic. amazing. So, but, but, but it was my dad, and it was that whole thing about if you find an obstacle, there's something in the, in the way, uh, you, you get back up, you dust yourself down, and you, you, you get on with it. In other words, not in a heartless fashion, but that if there are obstacles in your way, you have to surmount them, you have to get around them. It's the lyrics of That's Life, the great Frank Sinatra song, which is why I call the book that, because I've had a few knocks in my career. And it is about picking yourself up, dusting yourself down, and getting back in the race. You have to get back in the race. No matter what happens, you're on a program that uh, is taken off, you're on a station that dies, you're on a project that doesn't come to fruition, whatever it is, you have to pick yourself up and, and, and get back in the race. There's no, there's no other way to do this. I'm at this since 1979. I know I don't look it, but the fact is, don't have to agree with me. So I was, was going to say, you took the words out of my mouth, mm. I didn't want to interrupt your... your but that's flow. what it is. That's what it is. It's about getting back in the race and never... And if there are obstacles, finding other ways around them. Because otherwise, what are you going to do? I'm not trained for anything. And advice for life and advice for, for people doing interviews. Absolutely. Marty Whelan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Not at all. It's been really good, Alan, and thank you for asking me. Is there a fee? <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Outer View for RTE Radio 1 Extra. You can find out more about The Outer View at alanswan.com. <laughs>